Father, I just thank you for uh, the opportunity to um, to come and uh, to be refreshed in your presence again. Um, and I pray that as we have um, entered this space of soft hearts and open hearts, that you would, um, through the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning, um, that you would... Uh, bring comfort where there needs to be comfort, that you would challenge where we need to be challenged, um, but that overall you would speak. Uh, Thank you that you are a God who is with us and who journeys with us. Amen. Awesome. It feels a bit um, weird to be speaking with you guys, but you guys are all nice, eh? So it'll be all good. Um, Oh, thanks, Nori. So this morning, if you want to follow along, I don't do PowerPoint things, so you have to do it old school. Um, I I even just do, like, paper, so I don't even have a tablet. Um, So we're going to be looking at uh, Luke 5, 33 to 39. Um, And I guess when I was looking at it, I was thinking um, of myself, um, you know when you kind of go into those situations where you're like brand new, maybe it's like a new job or a new space, and you come in and you've got like a hundred million ideas, and you want to change everything because you can kind of see with fresh eyes, um, and uh, then somebody who's been around for a while comes up to you and says, um, excuse me, that's not kind of what we do, um, you need to do it this way, the way that we've always done it. And this is, I guess, a little bit what Jesus encountered like at the beginning of this passage. Um, he was tr- received a bit of criticism for trying to do things differently, trying to change things. Um, he was trying to bring something new, but he was questioned and really even condemned for it. Um, and last week, uh, we heard um, from Sheridan about how that kind of happened when he was hanging out and eating with the religious leaders and the sinners. Um, but this week, it's around fasting um, and praying. So um, in Luke 5, 39, it says, They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into the new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say the old is better. At the beginning of Luke... um, at the beginning of this passage in Luke, they're saying to Jesus, why are you doing different things differently? Why are you changing things? Why are you threatening the status quo? We're quite comfortable with this, the way it's always been. Um, why aren't you and your disciples following the rules and the law like you should be? Um, and I guess in that context as well, probably one of the things to kind of be aware of is that um, there were... I guess this ideal that um, what was kind of looked up to is somebody who kept things the same, this idea of changelessness, this idea of keeping the traditions. And so this is kind of the context that Jesus has come into, where the kind of highest ideal is keeping the traditions alive, keeping things the same. And then Jesus comes in and says, nah, 
we're going to do it completely differently, which I kind of like because that's my style. <laughs> um, and at that particular time, it was mandatory for Jews to fast, and they would um, fast uh, twice in a week um, as just standard. And if you didn't fast, then you were looked down upon and considered not a very holy person. Um, and it wasn't just a case of actually fasting, um, but it was also about putting out this outward appearance. So they used to actually um, grab uh, ash and put ash on their face to make their face white so that you really looked like you were suffering as you were fasting um, because they really wanted it to be this kind of outward, I am holy, I am following the law kind of a scenario. And it was the same thing with prayer. It was very regimented, structured, and you prayed at certain times of the day. And, of course, you wanted to make sure that the, at, during those times of the day you were out and about so when you stopped to pray, everyone could see that that's exactly what you were doing. Um, but I guess Jesus is challenging these traditions and um, practices by not fasting and praying according to the law. Not to say that he didn't fast and pray. Of course he did. Um, but he did not do it according to the rules. Um, so the religious leaders are saying to Jesus, um, it's kind of like they're coming up to him and saying, hey, um, I know that you're kind of new to this gig and you're trying to do ministry well and uh, I'd like to give you a few pointers. Um, what you really need to do uh, is do what we do, fast when you're supposed to fast and pray when you're supposed to pray and then it'll be fine. Um, but as... Um, you can tell from the passage, Jesus is kind of saying to them, actually, no, you've got it all wrong. Um, you think that you're not going to be following God unless you're following all these strict guidelines, and essentially you're miserable because you're spending all your time making sure that you're ticking all of the boxes. Um, but Jesus is saying, no, I've come here to kind of change all of that, and I'm here to show you that serving God can be a party. Um, and can be awesome. So Jesus has got like a whole new approach. It's not about the law. It's about a kingdom of grace. And in this new era of grace, we have um, fullness of joy. Um, and when I was preparing this, it was that sense of fullness of joy that I think God really wants um, us to embrace uh, this morning. In verse 34, it says, um, Jesus answered, Can you make friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days they'll fast. Um, and this was Jesus' answer to them. And you can imagine um, what a wedding's like. Um, and, if, uh, and the bridegroom is a symbol for Jesus, um, and the friends of the bridegroom are really essentially referring to Christ's disciples. And so basically Jesus is saying, the, when you go to a wedding and you're friends with the bridegroom, you don't sit there and fast. You feast. You have a big party. You celebrate. Um, and in fact, if you did come to a wedding and fasted when you were friends with the bridegroom, it would be a little bit rude, really. Um, so one of the um, main reasons that people fasted in the Old Testament um, is to pray for things. Um, and in the Old Testament times, most of, it, most of the um, fasting and praying was in praying for the Messiah to come. And so Jesus is saying, you don't need to fast because I'm here. Um, and after I leave, you can fast again. But for now, don't fast. Let's feast. Let's enjoy. And I think it's like such a beautiful picture to just um, kind of uh, Jesus saying, like, I'm here. 
you've been waiting and I'm here, let's feast. Um, And Jesus in this kind of um, scripture gives three pictures to kind of illustrate this. And the first picture um, is of a garment and it shows us that Jesus is not here to patch up the old garment. He's saying, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one, otherwise they would have torn the new garment. And the patch from the new will not match the old. Um, And I have to say, most of the time when I've read this, I've kind of just imagined a pair of old raggedy jeans um, which have got holes all over them, even though that's kind of fashion now. So I'm a bit behind the times. I don't do holes in my jeans. Um, And you go and get a scrap of cloth and you pop it on to make it new. Um, But it's actually more than that because he's saying no one puts a piece from a new piece of clothing onto an old one. Um, so he's saying the new, piece, the new piece will make it tear, it won't match But even more obvious, why would you want to cut up a new piece of clothing in order to patch the old? Just throw it out and wear the new If I've got an old pair of jeans in my wardrobe I'm not going to pop down to Just Jeans, buy a brand new pair Then chop them up to patch up my old pair of jeans It just doesn't make any sense I'm going to throw out the old ones and I'm going to wear the new And Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, the way that you're serving God, it was okay when it was new. It was a good pair of jeans back then. Um, God gave it it to you in the Old Testament law, but you want it's old now. Um, And I'm not here to try and patch it up. I don't want to make it last just another few months. I'm actually here to bring something completely new. I'm here to hand out new clothes. Uh, So don't go cutting them up. Don't go messing them up. Uh, to patch up your old clothes, just wear and embrace the new. Um, Up until this point, I guess, the Jews, you know, they've been living according to the law, but it could never give them the righteousness that they were looking for. All it could do was cover their sin. And now Jesus is saying, look, you're still wearing your old clothes. They're stained, they're ruined, they're full of holes. Um, The Old Testament law could never make them new. Um, But Jesus is saying, I've come to give you brand new clothes of righteousness. Don't try and cut them up. Just wear them. Um, And I was thinking about this um, as I was preparing, and it was actually challenging to me a little bit as well. Um, And I think sometimes, you know, when we need things fixing, we kind of settle for something to patch them up. um, Because it's sometimes a bit too expensive to buy new things. Like when your car needs fixing, say it needs a new transmission. Um, it's expensive, but it's still not quite as expensive as buying a brand new car. So Jesus is coming along to say, and comes along and basically says, so uh, you need a new transmission for your car? Oh, I've got something, a better idea. Why don't you just go down to the car yard and pick out a brand new car? I'll pick out the bill. You just go pick it out. Any car you want, yours. Um, Would you believe him or not? Would you go down and pick a car or not? Um, And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about um, the aspects of our life where we're settling for a patch-up repair job when Jesus has actually come to bring us newness and wholeness. Um, Jesus is saying, don't just drive. Um, Jesus is saying, just drive the new car around. Go and embrace it. Give it a test drive and you'll see how good it is compared to your old dunga. Um, Jesus is offering a whole new way of life um, and it's kind of out with the old and with the new and this beautiful picture of grace and newness and wholeness. Um, 
And then Jesus turns to the second picture, which um, is a similar idea, but it just goes a little bit um, of a step further. Um, In verse 37, it says, And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And I love this kind of picture, because in the Bible, wine is a symbol of joy. Uh, festivity, celebration. Um, And so in these two verses, Jesus is saying, if we want this joy, this festivity, this party atmosphere, um, which he brings to last, then we must find a new container to put it in. The new mine must have new wineskins. So um, I don't know if you know, but uh, in that time, wine was made from like a goat skin. So they would a little bit gross if you don't like animal stuff. But anyway, the, the goats were killed and then they um, cleaned and, yeah, cured the uh, hides. And then the hides were sewn up um, uh, and the holes where the legs were, they were all tied up. And then the spout of the wine skin would be where the neck was and they would pour the wine in, um, which is basically just kind of grape juice. And then they would seal it up and then leave it to ferment and to create wine. But as it fermented, it creates gas, and it expands. Um, and so uh, those, uh, the goat skin would expand as the wine was created. Um, and then once it was done, you would pour the wine out. But obviously the goat skin's not just going to sh- shrink back down, it's expanded. And so if you come to an old wine skin and put new wine in, it's going to again start to expand, it's going to burst and it's going to be ruined. And that's kind of the picture that God, uh, that Jesus is using here. Um, so it's the sense of God not saying, um, he, he's just bringing, he's saying to um, the disciples that he's bringing something completely new, and it doesn't mix with the old. It's not a sense, um, and we kind of had this picture with the clothes already, it's not like you can take, the old essence of the law and bring the gospel of uh, grace and, and merge the two together. It's You have to kind of completely get rid of this idea of ticking the boxes, making sure that you've done this, that and that and everything's going to be fine. It's this uh, notion of needing something completely new. Um, the law, I guess, had fulfilled its purpose and it was fulfilled fully through Jesus. Um, And it had been stretched to its limits. It couldn't hold any more wine. Um, And it couldn't hold the new wine of the gospel or this idea of uh, a joy-filled grace life. There was really very little room for celebration in the law. There were too many things to keep track of, too many sins to avoid, too many obligations, too many responsibilities. Um, And so Jesus is bringing this new wineskin, and this new wineskin is a wineskin of grace. It's flexible, it stretches, it holds together all sorts of circumstances and people. Um, it covers all, it surrounds all, it encompasses all. And no matter how much wine we pour into grace, there's always room for more. Grace is what um, allows God to give us this eternal life simply through belief in him. And no matter how bad a sinner you are, no matter how many times you stuff up, and walk backwards, um, grace will always embrace you. Um, The law would never allow that. The law was very rigid. It wouldn't allow very many people in. 
It was a select group. Um, But grace is for everyone. Uh, It takes everyone in. And grace allows us to be joyful. The law provided no room for flexibility, no room for differences. Um, It said, here's the 633 things that you need to do to fit in with us. And if you miss any one of them, then sorry, but you're out. Um, But grace gives us the freedom to be different. It gives us the ability to agree to disagree. Uh, It gives us the privilege of overlooking and offering forgiveness. The point is that, I guess, grace covers us all, it surrounds us all, and we can be joyful and love each other even when we sometimes disagree with one another. And even when we perhaps hurt one another. When grace is present, life can be a celebration There's joy in all things. There's the spirit of openness and an air of forgiveness, uh, an attitude of compassion. And when grace is absent, there's a lot of finger-pointing, name-calling, Bible-bashing, and criticism of others. And this is because grace is concerned with the heart, and the law is concerned with the external activity. Grace asks what your heart feels about doing your devotions and attending church and serving God. And the law says it doesn't matter what you feel, as long as you check everything off your list. As long as you say, I went to church every Sunday, I read my Bible every morning, and I pray for exactly 33 minutes every morning before I did anything else. Uh, Grace says, I love to worship God whenever and wherever I can, and I worship him as much as I can. And it doesn't matter when I make mistakes because God sees my heart of wanting to get closer to him. And I guess when I was thinking about this, I was thinking for myself, what areas of my life do I struggle to embrace God's grace? Is there a sense within us that we are constantly worried about messing up? God's grace means we don't have to live in that fear, but it's actually quite tricky. I remember for myself growing up within the church family um, from a very, well, from the time I was born, I was born into the, into the church and um, such a gift. But I remember this moment of talking to actually my youth pastor when I was about 13 or 14. Um, and they were challenging me on this notion of grace because I was in constant fear of messing up and this idea that relationship with God meant that somehow I had to somehow get to... I never knew I, I, knew I was never going to get to perfect, but I at least had to be a pretty good Christian. After all, I, had no, I knew all the rules. I knew what I was supposed to do. I had to do it. And so I got constantly wound up in the doing and I found that my heart was less being with God. And I think that's the beauty of grace, is that when we get to really embrace that notion of, of grace and being and um, the intimacy that Tyra was talking about through worship this morning, um, that it, it doesn't matter so much about the outward appearance, appearances. It matters what's going on in our heart um, and this idea that God just wants us to be with him. And it's such a beautiful picture, but it is a hard one to grasp because us humans like, 
well, if you're like me, we like our to-do lists and just our checklists and I do this, 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 and then I'm good to go. Um, but it's God's wanting much more than that. Um, and then uh, Jesus turns to um, the third picture. And this um, third picture for me is kind of interesting. In verse 39, it says, And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. And I guess this verse is a bit confusing because it's true. Old wine does taste better. Um, wine gets better with age. Um, but it's not meaning uh, old wine versus new wine. It's, it's, um, or it's not meaning aged wine versus fresh wine. He's basically talking about this, the kind of wine that people have been drinking forever and ever and ever and love it. Um, and then somebody brings something different. It's like if I... Um, so I'm a little bit obsessed about Vogel's toast. It's good. Vogel's toast is good. Have Vogel's toast um, as much as uh, I can. And then somebody comes along and offers me a different kind of toast. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't taste good because I am used to my Vogel's toast. Um, and so it's kind of this notion that um, Jesus is kind of saying this new way of being, this new um, grace is not going to be instantly accepted. Um, It's not going to be immediately liked. Um, The old and familiar status quo can sometimes see better because it's not threatening. It allows us to keep our heart a little bit hard. We don't have to be as vulnerable. The new way of doing things demands that we change and people don't like change. People who are used to functioning under the law don't immediately like grace because it feels like all of the structure and all of the boundaries are gone. It, it makes people feel uncomfortable. It seems too loose. There's no list uh, that many of us prefer. Learning to live in grace can take years, but when it finally clicks with us, it releases from us from the fear of rejection and endless lists of responsibilities. It lifts the burden off our shoulders and it keeps us from comparing ourselves to one another. It brings joy and it brings peace. Um, Grace, though a little bit scary at first, when it's fully embraced, is just a liberating and freeing experience. So a little bit of a challenge Where in your life are you trying to tick the boxes, making sure you do all of the right things, going through all of the motions, instead of embracing a vulnerable, authentic relationship with Jesus? Jesus came to hand out fresh new clothes, free of charge, to all who believe in him alone for it. No cost, no worry, no weight about stuffing up, Rather, embracing relationship with God and finding freedom, joy, and fullness. Uh, Jesus wants us to do things in a whole new way. Uh, In Revelation 21.5, it says that he will make all things new. And as the great physician, he offers new life and new spiritual health. As the bridegroom, he offers new love and joy. He makes us new creations And he gives us a new spirit. And greatest of all, he gives us the grace to live by. 
No more living under the bondage of law. Um, He brings a new life of celebration, joy, flexibility. Jesus is saying you can't reform religion. It has to be replaced with something new and better, which is the gospel of grace. So when I was preparing this, this was for me quite challenging. And I thought to myself that God really wanted us to look at our own hearts. And in particular, where are the spaces within our lives where we haven't fully embraced the grace that God offers? Where are we... What are the areas in our lives and our ministry where we are more concerned with keeping up appearances to those around us? Um, What are the things in my life that I need to let go of in order to let that new wine flow? Am I holding on to fear? Am I holding on to anger? Is there, am I holding on to hurt that is ruining the new life that God wants to give me? And probably the biggest challenge for me is where are the areas in my life that I have settled for a patchwork repair when actually God wanted to bring something brand new, something whole? Whole. 